Yo, welcome back to the Satsung Podcast. Today, we have one of my favorite fighters of all time, bantamweight champion of the UFC. I'm not even going to say former, because nobody beat him and, and took that belt. Um, TJ Dillashaw. I can't believe the dude said yes, but this is just kind of how life keeps going, is that I keep shooting shots and dudes keep saying yes. So um, feel really blessed that he took the time to talk. Um, I was really kind of nervous to do this just because I'm such a fan of TJ, and I was really blown away at what a down-ass dude he is. Um, super down-to-earth, super humble, um, and real wise. Wise beyond his years, man, uh, just as far as his outlook on his career. And um, for a dude that is as well-known and as famous as he is, he has a really good grasp on handling public perception and just keeping it real with himself and his family. And I respect that beyond words. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to let you listen to it. Um, make sure that you guys, as always, like, subscribe, yada, yada. But what would be really dope is if on Apple Podcasts, if you leave a review... Even if it's a bad one, even if you think I'm a shit host and you hate my guests, just leave a review. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, without further ado, here is TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw, welcome to the Satsung Podcast, dude. I appreciate you me on, dude. Yeah, how you feeling? I feel great. Yeah, no complaints on my side. Yeah, you're back in California, right? Yeah, yeah, Orange County. Nice. How's that? It's good. Uh, I went to school down here. I went to Cal State Fullerton for five years. Um, so it's like kind of like my own stopping grounds when I was in college. I wrestled down here. Got a lot of friends down here. And uh, those friends have started families. And so I got some close family friends down here. And uh, as well as I moved back down here for a strength conditioning coach, Sam Calavita, and started creating a camp out here. Um, you know, Southern California is a, a great place to live for the weather. Can't really beat it. Yeah, no shit, dude. We just got two. I live in southwest Montana by Yellowstone. We just got two and a half feet of snow. So, yeah, which I mean, I lived in Colorado <laughs> and I do kind of miss having a season change. It was also kind of nice. I grew up in Northern California where winters were winter, you know, down here it's, I mean, shit, it's 70 degrees outside, you know, which is nice. But um, I don't know. I, I keep finding myself more and more so wanting to buy property out of state, you know. Um, wanting to get out of the, the craziness we call California, even though the weather is amazing. It's just, uh, I don't always agree with the, the life choices a lot of people have. Out here. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm staying put, man. It was funny. We had Wombles out here this summer and yeah, he fell in love pretty quick. But once I was telling him what, what land costs and what houses cost, he was like, what the fuck am I doing in California, man? Exactly. Bro. And, uh, I mean, and the way of life too, I mean, so I mean Montana is beautiful as well too. I love Montana. Some hunting out there. Um, I mean land in Montana would be amazing. You know I mean obviously yeah, you're, you're gonna get the winters, but you get to live the lifestyle you want to live. You don't have to have everyone breathing down your neck. Your neighbor's not right next door. It's it's uh you have the possibility. I mean you can do that, but you have the possibility to live live how you want, especially the way I grew up. So um, you know having a three year old makes me think about how I want him to grow up. And uh, I don't know if Southern California is the way. So before he gets into school, I got to make some big choices here. Yeah, dude. So where, so where did you grow up then? Yeah, I grew up in a small town called Angels Camp, California, um, up in NorCal, about an hour and a half east of Sacramento, um, town of 3,500 people, pretty, pretty small, you know, rural area. And then you started wrestling pretty young, huh? Yeah, I started wrestling at eight years old. My dad wrestled in college. 
Um, so he was doing some like uh, youth wrestling program. <clears throat> and they never like pressured me into it, but he'd go and coach. And I just like wanted to follow along and be a part of it. And so watching him coach and watching him be a part of it just made me want to do it. And uh, been wrestling ever since. Well, how did you get, um, how did you get into MMA? Cause that's a natural thing. You know, how old are you? I'm 34. Okay. Yeah. I'm 33. And so we grew up in that era where it was like, I grew up in Iowa. So it was like the Militich camp and all of those guys. It was just like more and more. I feel like when you and I were teenagers was, it was like college wrestlers would be like, all right, this is a logical next step. So how did yeah. you find yourself getting in the cage? Man, I never thought I'd ever be a fighter. Um, I remember growing up and renting the UFCs from like Blockbuster. Same. I mean, kids yeah. nowadays don't even know what the fuck Blockbuster is. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, we used to like, my mom would like take us to the store, me and my older brother, and we'd like run to the back section where all the, the you know, the porn was at or yep. like, UFC fights were at. We always look for like the new UFCs and see if we could rent them out. And I always just think those guys were so effing crazy, you know? I um, just didn't understand it. Um, and then even when I was in college, I was college wrestling. Um, you know, that's when the Ultimate Fighter first came out, which made the UFC even more popular. My mom told me at the time, she's like, oh, I just, I know one day you're probably going to be a fighter. And I was not, didn't have any idea of even doing it. I was, you know, trying to chase some dreams in wrestling. And then also I enrolled, after I graduated college, I enrolled myself in grad school to become a physician's assistant. So I had no path of ever becoming a fighter. Um, but my assistant wrestling coach at Cal State Fullerton was Mark Munoz. And oh, shit. He was in the UFC at the time. And uh, I started fall after I graduated college, I started following him around and just doing jujitsu here and there and just kind of wanting to continue to train because uh, that's all I've ever done my whole life. And I kind of feel like I was missing out because I graduated and didn't really have much to lean back on. Um, and he's the one that talked me into it. He, I started following around and training with all these really big guys because he had a big camp around him. And he's like, man, you were, you were a super mean wrestler. I think you'd be a great fighter. You should give it a shot. He had Uriah Faber down for a wrestling clinic down in um, Carlsbad for his West Coast wrestling uh, seminar he does every summer. And so I met Uriah at the at the, the clinic, and he's like, man, this is Uriah. He's got a great camp in uh, Northern California. You should give it a shot. Go up there and try fighting. I was like, fuck, man. Like, I'm, I'm enrolled in grad school. Like, <laughs> I'm like uh, I think I got my career choice down. Like, I, I don't know, man. And so he just kept talking to me about it, talking about it. And I never really reached my goals in wrestling. I wanted to become an All-American national champion and never reached those goals. So I did feel like my competing wasn't done for whatever reason, but I didn't have any idea of doing it. So I eventually talked me into it enough to I said, screw it. I'll drop out of school for just a year. I'll give myself this year of training. If I'm any good, I'll stick with fighting. I'll stick at it. I'll, I'll, I'll keep, I'll, I'll keep doing it. If not, I can always go back to school. Um, so I'm, Moved my life up to Sacramento. Uriah, Uriah invited me up to start training at the gym. Um, said that he had a room for me to, to stay at. And so I packed up all my stuff. I had a little Toyota Tacoma. I packed up all my stuff. I was living with my girlfriend, which is now my wife. And she had a great job. I told her, like, I'm going to be a fighter. She's like, she actually understood it. She thought that I was going to hate being a physician's assistant, being in the, uh, the office all day long. And so she supported me. She's like, go for it. So I moved up there. And I told Uriah when I was going to be coming up. When I got there, he wasn't even – I don't even know if he was in the country. He was out of town. Forgot that I was even coming. Um, didn't have a room for me like he thought he had. But I was like, you know what? I got all my stuff here. What am I going to do? So uh, I started living in – I live in, uh, on a couch in one of his houses that he owned on the, what he called the block. So and that's Wowzers. 
How, when was your first fight? How soon after that was your first fight? Three months. I took. I did three months of fighting. I took. It was an amateur fight. Took my first amateur fight three months after. Um, within a year, I had uh, four fights, four professional fights in my belt, six fights total, and then I got an Ultimate Fighter within that year. Yeah, it's been crazy watching your style uh, evolve because it used to be really wrestling heavy, and I think a lot of guys early on were wrestling heavy. But you used to be like, yeah, you're like a college wrestler that could scrap, you know? Yeah. And then after you started training with Dwayne. It was like a whole fucking gear shift. Dude, your fight with Hendon Burrell, that's my, that's like top three favorite fights of mine of all time, dude. Just a fucking <laughs> clinic, dude. <laughs> it's still, still today, it's by far my favorite fight that I've ever been in um, for multiple reasons, you know, like being an eight to one underdog, no one ever expecting you to win. No one even knew who I really was yet at the time. I hadn't even been on a main card of a pay-per-view event. Um, so I got kind of got skyrocketed to the main event of a, of a big pay-per-view card and then just to have such an epic uh, fight you know it's like one of those well, it's a fight you game plan you, every fight you go into you have this game plan of how you want the fight to go um, but they always change right like throughout the fight your game plan always changes and nothing ever goes the way you want it to well this is one of those fights where it went exactly how I wanted it to everything I saw happen happened um, like the only thing I can think of is like if I was just in like slow motion, I almost felt like I could see everything, everything was happening. Um, it was like what, what you think like Michael Jordan feels like when he's at his best or, you know, some of the best of the, the best in their sports, like what they're, what they're able to produce in that, that millisecond of time is like what it felt like, you know? Um, so it's still by far my, my favorite fight of all time. That I've yeah, me too. <laughs> well, it's cool. It's cool when you see, um, you know, the thing that's, that's really gnarly about your striking, I feel like is, especially in that fight when in every, when guys hit pads right you're you're doing these like five five hit combos and being like all right if one of these lands then i did my job and i'll get out and some of those when they were slowed down were just like you're you're working him like he was a set of pads man and that's you know there's there's very few uh few guys that can pull that off especially on someone like hen and Burrell that's not so so what was it like after that though like um, I have a lot of friends that are in the UFC, but they're still in the, you know, the prelim, um, fight stage. So what's it like, what's it like to take that ride of just like, okay, shit, well, this is a different level now. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like, uh, it's what you shoot for. You shoot for, you know, everyone knowing your name, getting them big paydays, being on the big event. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely a huge adjustment because I mean, even you're in the UFC, you know, you always think like, I'm going to get in the UFC, you've made it. But that's just not the case. You know what I mean? Like, you still have a lot of growing to do. You still have a lot of figuring out to do. I mean, I really don't feel like I even really figured out how to compete until I was halfway through my UFC career. You know, I mean, going into those fights, I was always like so tunnel vision and so nervous that I wouldn't pay attention to the walkout. I wouldn't pay attention to people in the crowd. Like, I was like just so focused on beating that guy across from me that um, I didn't pay attention to actually what was going on and then for whatever reason it's like such a generic thing but uh, my cornerman at the time Justin Buckles was a good friend of mine back then he's uh we're about to walk out to fight Mike Easton it was a fight before him and Burrell and he's like man like you got to start enjoying this shit it's like you know you're about to walk out in front of millions of people fighting for all these people like you know enjoy the walkout show off have fun and for whatever reason when he said at that time it just really hit home with me it's like damn dude this is he's like 
you know, people would pay millions of dollars to be in your situation or never walk out that tunnel and have all eyes on them. He's like, you know, you got to really absorb that, absorb that before one day it's gone, you know? And uh, I feel like it's such like a generic thing that a lot of people will tell you, but for whatever reason, it just kind of really at home that night. And um, I had fun. I had a lot of fun that night. I fought Mike Easton. It was probably one of my, to that date, it was my best striking performance going into a fight. I mean, I had a knock, I had some knockouts and stuff, but this is like another one of those fights that went so smooth. And my new style with Dwayne, I think it was only like my, I don't know, fourth fight under Dwayne. Um, it started really to pick up and, uh, and just things went so smooth. My, my movement was great. And I remember like paying attention to my walk. I remember seeing Shaquille Neal front row. I remember double-legging Mike Easton and yelling to Shaq that this one was for him while I was double-legging. <laughs> Shaq was involved with the Kings in Sacramento. So he was rooting for me. Cause I was like, I remember I was like pacing back and forth in front of him, getting my name announced. And so I realized that. And so when I double egged him, I yelled out to him, you know, and then I'm on top of Mike Easton. I got Shaquille near in the corner. Like telling me like showing me how to elbow him and stuff. Just like messing around. And so like me and him are like, you know, having a conversation while I'm fighting. During the fight. <laughs> During a fight, like a full blown, like professional UFC fight and having a conversation with Shaquille O'Neal. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and so I, I, I felt I don't know. I felt so much more at ease than when I was like trying to show off and just have fun. And so I, ever since that fight, that's how I've, I've used that. I've used that mentality going out for a fight. Even when you're deathly nervous, you almost got to trick yourself into having fun. You know, like you should be scared and you should be nervous. I feel like if you're not, it's when you're overlooking your opponent and anything can happen. So you want to go out there scared, but you also want to go out there enjoying being scared, you know, cause that's like the only time you really feel alive. I mean, I feel alive with a lot of things in my life, but nothing will compare to the walkout and getting ready for a fight and getting your name announced and those first couple blows you're about to throw. It just like there's so much adrenaline and so much hype behind it that you know you gotta you have to be scared, but you gotta enjoy the, the being scared that scared. You gotta be enjoyed being that alive. So. Yeah, that's the thing that that freaks. I have a neck surgery in December, but I was talking about obviously I'm not touring for a while. So I was talking about taking a taking an AMI fight this winter, but I just found out I have to have neck surgery. Um, but that's the part that like freaks me out is that like I do great in the gym, I feel loose, I feel comfortable, but that idea of just like, oh shit, like this is actually fucking how like I just can't imagine getting over that. And you hear guys, they all say the same thing. It's like, no man, you got to use it. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you use that. <laughs> you know. I mean, they get a, you gotta kind of like tied into any kind of performance. Like, you I mean, when you're performing in front of people, you're fucking showing off, to be honest. You mean, mm -hmm. you're, not, you're showing off your skills. People are paying to be there because you're that fucking good at something. Um, and so you got to kind of like absorb that same energy that you do in any kind of other performance and, and do the same shit. Yeah, sure, you might not be as good at one thing as the other, but use that same energy. You know, it's going to give you your best chance of performing to your best, even if you're not the best fighter in the world, you're still going to have a better chance of, of being your better self. Dude, I would have never even thought you were nervous. There's, there's one time in particular that I remember watching you fight. It was the first time you fought Cody. They had announced you guys and they brought you to the center, man. And you took this, you had this shit eating grin on your face and you took this huge deep breath and smiled like such yeah. a like heartfelt smile. Like you didn't want to be anywhere other than standing right there, right there in that moment, man. Um, don't to be honest you know you don't i mean you're scared as fuck to get in there you're scared as fuck and not so much like you're not scared to get hurt you're not scared to that stuff's nothing i mean you get hurt more in the gym than you ever want to fight but 
this being scared to perform, right? Scared to like, I put all my life into this fight, I put all my life into getting that belt back, but all my life and all this, this, the, and all the bullshit that went into that first Cody fight as well mm-hmm. too, talking all the bull crap. It was all about to be done. It was all coming to that moment. So like, that's like what you need to absorb is absorb that exact moment. So that's what I was like, I think that's what I was doing, you know, during that, that face off and just knowing that, um, I don't know, being confident, knowing you had his numbers, like, all right, bitch, let's do this. You know, yeah, like, and the talking's done. <laughs> yeah. You can run your mouth all you want, but now, you know, like, and we've trained a bunch together. So he knew what he was getting himself into, you know? So for me, it was kind of like, all right, dude, this is fucking it. You know? Yeah. Like, you can say all the bullshit you want, try to be the superstar you want to be, but uh, ultimately you got to fucking get hands put on you. So, well, it was it was cool seeing you and Dwayne throughout that whole season. I actually just rewatched it a few months ago, um, because I got a shitload of time on my hands now. I've been going back and watching all of them, but I just went back and watched it, man. And there was just so many times during that season where I was like, "How do you not just pop off and be like, man?" fuck you like you just handled it so chill just like all right man all right and it was like relentless dude and not just from him but buckles it was just like fuck boys come on (laughs) and i mean that show took a lot of energy it took a lot i mean i remember getting home from code and i also put a lot into it too i gave my guys as much as i possibly could um because i know that when i was on ultimate fighter i would have appreciated it you know i had michael bisming as a coach and you know he did good i mean it was for where i was at it was a good job but you know i mean he was there to also party and have fun and be michael bisbing and go out to the clubs and do all that stuff um so i just knew that when i was there that i would appreciate a coach to give me my all so i did that but i would get home from filming all day long and just be dead exhausted tired and not so much from the effort of working out but from just the effort and the and the anxiety of it just happened to like just deal with team off of it, you know, like guys that I used to call some of my best friends, they're gonna have to like argue with on, on, the, on, on TV it was just like so emotionally draining, you know? So that was, that was by far the longest camp. I mean, we filmed that ultimate fighter the beginning of 2017. So the end, I think it was December, like through just, that was actually, yes, yeah, so the beginning of 2017. We didn't fight till November of 2017 because Cody got hurt. We were supposed to fight in July. Uh-huh. Just that whole buildup to that first fight was like just so long, you know what I mean? So that smile was was very, very <laughs> well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so what's it like being, uh, what's the big differences between um, being out in Colorado with Dwayne and being being back in Cali now? Yeah, man, I mean... I miss, I miss being in Colorado. I mean, I'm, I'm, we had our son, so we want to be closer to family. I'm from California. We're still Mm -hmm. a good seven hour drive, but at least we're not a flight to see family. So that was kind of one driving factor as well as a strength conditioning coach. I met out here, some training partners, just the lifestyle was missing California a little bit, but um, now I'm, I'm, you know, kind of mad that I sold my house in Colorado because I'm missing the time out there with Dwayne, you know, um, especially during this pandemic when people are locked down, it'd be nice to have, have Dwayne there, you know, all the time. So I'm trying to get as much training in as I can kind of fill in that void of not having Dwayne here every day. But um, here in the real near future, I'm going to go spend some serious time out in Colorado, um, go rent an Airbnb or something and put that time in with Dwayne because not only do me and him see eye to eye, but he's just the best coach in the world, man. If he actually cares for you, 
and cares about how your career does he's he's in it he puts more effort into it than I do myself and and when you find that in someone as a coach you don't let it go you know so as long as he still wants to coach me like I'm going to put my time in out there as much as possible you know which I'd imagine he does it's just you know you never know where everyone's life takes you totally yeah I actually just got tattooed a few weeks ago in Denver and the dude that tattooed me tattoos Dwayne and their buddies And, and he was just telling me that he just opened a second gym and is just really, really doubling down on his business, which is cool to see, man. Yeah, he actually, he actually bought a building. So he's had, I, I think eventually, I think he's closing down his other location because he's paying rent there. Mm-hmm. But he went above and beyond, he bought the building. He, instead of like, you know, you're tripping down on your profits because now he doesn't have to pay the rent. He doesn't have to pay all the cams, all that good stuff. So he bought, the, he bought the value of the property and now he's going to run his gym out of his own facility, which is quite nice. So I can't wait to get out there and see the new spot. He's still building it out right now. So um, very excited for him. Some, some big things for him. Yeah, man, that's awesome. How's it training with Wombles? I fucking love that dude. Yeah, he's, he's, he's awesome, dude. He's really good people. Um, you know, I've actually wanted to train with Wombles for a long time. But um, he was always training. He wasn't always training, but he was training Garbrandt. So I know he's like, Alpha Mill brought him up there to try to get him to start coaching up there, but he couldn't leave his guys to Southern California. He became boys with some of the Alpha Mill guys, was training, Gar- was training Garbrandt. So I just wasn't sure how he felt about me reaching out to him and wanting to train with him, or he, to be honest, even how I felt about it, you know. Um, but me, I have Raymond Daniels. He's one of my training partners. He does much strength conditioning with me. Um, he comes to the gym, does some wrestling and stuff. So I always help Raymond out as much as I, I can. And Raymond's just such a good dude. And he's always mentioned a couple of times to me about training with Wombles. Like, yeah, man, I'd love to. I just don't know if it's, you know, I mean, he's boys with some of my enemies, you know. And so eventually yeah. um, Wombles just randomly hit me up on Instagram. He's like, hey, man, you should come train sometime. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. I actually wanted to hit you up. I just didn't know how, how you'd feel about it, you know. Um, and I'm super glad that we did because uh, he's he's real good people. He's a real good coach, you know. I mean, he hasn't really built a super big name for himself yet in the coaching world, which he will. He's got some uh, great guys out of his gym. Um, but he's, he's a real good coach, man. He's got some sick combos. He's, uh, he's gifted himself. He's a good fighter himself as well as uh, he, can, he can see techniques and whatnot. So I'm excited to start working with him. And uh, He's been pretty uh, blown away with how cool Dwayne is too, because Dwayne's been commenting on uh, Wombles Instagram, me and him working out together. And he's like, "Oh, you're in good hands," and things like that. And so, uh, it just means a lot to Wombles seeing that Dwayne's uh, like, you know, getting all butthurt about me working out with him. You know, so it's real cool. I think uh, Wombles actually wants to come out with me to uh, go to Dwayne's gym and go out there and train a little bit. So, um, awesome. I'm real lucky to have found him as a coach that lives you know, real close to me and be able to train with him. So I was just training there last night. Yeah. He said your guys' chemistry is when you're working is really, really good. Yeah. He's good, man. He's just, he's, uh, it, it's a lot easier to listen to a coach that has done it. You know what I mean? So you got some of these coaches that have never been in the cage, never been in the ring, haven't had to deal with the anxiety of fighting or the nerves or what it takes to actually become that fighter. So he's been there. He's done. It, he's been around the game for a long time. Um, those are the kind of guys I get along with, you know, and, and there's no bullshit. He's a, he's a straight shooter. So yeah, man, I mean, I, I could see us working for a long time. Yeah. He's a stud, man. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome to see that you're, uh, that you're getting it in out there, especially linking up with him, man. It's, it's funny how shit works. Cause right before, or I think it was like after one of your guys' first sessions was when he came out to Montana. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's just wild, man. There's these guys, um, you know, I worked with him for two days 
and dude, I, you know, I hit shit all the time that he showed me over those two days, you know, I hit it in sparring all the time. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, just real easy to listen to. And like, yeah, like you said, dude, he's just a straight shooter. And I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he show you stuff that actually works because he, he does it himself too. Right. So he spars with his guys every Wednesday. He's, you know, he's taking a fight not too long. He's got tons of fights. Um, he's not going to show you some like Floyd Mayweather, 18,000 punch combo while I'm mid. It's like just doing this kind of like you're actually drilling stuff that you're going to do in your fight, you know? So, um, it's nice. It's nice. Not just to have like a cardio kickboxing coach. Totally. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, what's, what's kind of cool. I love when I, when you see, I think that's what's so cool watching, uh, what you and Dwayne did is I love when you see like a coach with a fighter that kind of like plugs their program into that fighter and like Tyler has countless videos of shouting something out and then his guy doing it and sleeping somebody, yeah. you know, like that. I yeah. love that shit, man. I love seeing that. Yeah. Dude, like fighter too, right, man? Like, so I'm real good at that stuff. I'm, I'm really coachable. So Dwayne's always told me it's like playing a video game. Like he's in there in the fight. He can like, he'll yell something out and I'll do it. Right. Um, I, mean, I was just sparring the other night at Wombos last week and he would be, you know, we've just started working together. We still know we, the combos he's, he's yelling out and he yelled the combo out and I'll do it. You know, and he's like, Hey man, it's pretty impressive to see you like put, put all of this stuff on the yell. I was like, I don't know, man. I just like, it's easy for me to shut my brain off and just listen, you know, and react to things. So um, I'm excited to continue to see how that relationship evolves that way. You know? Yeah. That's awesome, dude. So what is, um, what's this time off been like for you? What's this? Cause you're, you come back January, right? That's when your suspension's done, right? My suspension is up January 19th. So yeah, man, I got, you know, like two and a half months. It's coming up quick. Um, the last two years, man, has been a bunch of mixed emotions. It's been, fucking hell you know it's been you know i made i made a giant mistake i fucked up um and i've had to deal with that i've had to deal with it on many levels you know like self like just like hating yourself as well as other people talking shit um you know going through double shoulder surgery um you know which i need to get surgery for a good four or five years but finally had the time to do it so i decided to get shoulder surgery but having shoulder surgery being laid up in the couch while being suspended it's fucking it's a mind fuck man so i mean a lot of it was real shitty to be honest but then there's some serious blessings that came out of it that would have never happened if i wouldn't have taken the time off um and first and foremost the most important thing was that my son's life you know um that first year of his life i was had like three title fights throughout it and just never had time to really realize what I was missing out on you know in those last like two years I've had a chance to be a normal human being and and not have to focus on fighting someone and, and putting all everything on the line and you know when I'm in a fight camp it's I mean to be the best in the world you have to be completely addicted you have to be OCD about what you're doing so a lot of things take the back seat and so I, I think I believe that that first year did you know um and so it was kind of eye-opening. So even when I do come back, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I make time. Like, I, I, like, even when I go get out and get busy, like I feel bad for missing half the day, you know, like, ah, I missed this morning, you know, like just things like that. So that was a true blessing to really realize like, you know, what it means to me to have, have my three-year-old son. Um, another thing is been within business. You know, I've been super busy, which I never would have had this time to build a, a an income outside of the cage you know i've always been making my money just by fighting you know there's been here there some little things but um i've be i've started a i joined a franchise called clean juice 
um, started in the East Coast and now I'm the area developer. Not only am I opening my own store, but I'm the area developer for all of Southern California. So we're going to open 63 stores from San Diego to North LA to Palm Springs. So um, that's, that's been taking a lot of my time. I got some other ventures that um, could be life changing and to where I'll never have to fight for money again. Um, and it'll, it'll be, you know, a little bit of a stress reliever to not have to worry about, for instance, especially you guys, you know, and coming up in the UFC, that haven't really made it yet. You know, you don't realize the stress it takes on like how much money you're going to make too. Right. So let's say the average contract is, you know, 10,000 to show $10,000 to win when you get in the UFC. So that's $20,000. Hopefully, when you're coming up, you fight twice a year, you know, and if you don't win those fights, I mean, you could be making $20,000 for the whole year. So there's a lot of stress on like, you know, to pay your bills and be able to support your family and things like that when you're first starting out. So not having, and obviously I've made it to a different point to where my fights are worth a lot more, but even still, it's like, I want to live a lifestyle. I want to give my son a lifestyle that is, is, um, I just set goals for that. And so you know, knowing going out there and winning a fight helps you get closer to that goal. So having to ha like not have that stress of how much you're getting paid per fight and like making sure that money's there for when you're winning or losing and things like that, to not have that there is going to be real nice, you know? Man, it's really refreshing to hear. It's something that I worry about um, for a lot of my friends. Um, so it's really refreshing to see a fighter diversifying because mm -hmm. it's like, e dude, even if your fucking fight career goes amazing, like if you're lucky, you're going to go to 40. And it's, yeah. and I think so many guys, it's a really sad thing that we see all the time, dude, where guys fight until they shouldn't be fighting anymore. Yeah. And they have the wrong people around them that are like, well, man, I still need my cut. So yeah, I guess we'll just do the journeyman thing. And then they get to a place where they're like, well, fuck now, what do I do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it's cool seeing you do that. I've been seeing the juice thing. You have a, a spice company too, right? Yeah, Flavor Republic is my spices. We started that. It still it really hasn't hit it off very big, but it's still a pretty fun little project. Um, we started that when I first got back down to Southern California with a couple of buddies of mine because I got into a meal prep. Um, so whole reason I moved down to Southern California, I met this coach, Sam Calavita. He's my strength conditioning coach, my nutritionist. Um, he's really helped dial in my body, especially being 34 years old. Um, knowing what I need to do to boost my hormones, to get any of the kind of toxins out of my body, to schedule my workouts, making sure I'm recovering the right way, um, and just to optimize my, my strength conditioning. Um, so he's by far the sm smartest guy I've ever met with, with in regards to that. Um, and so he started having me eat a certain way. Um, you know, I'm going, I mean, the closest diet I would say I'm to would be like paleo or keto. You know, I don't, I don't eat any kind of grains and things like that. Um, but there's no way that I could go out and eat his diet by buying food and going out and just eating at a restaurant. So I had to start making all my own food. Um, and in doing that, you know, you don't want bland food. So we created the spice company. It's got low to no sugar and low to no sodium um, for all these people that are in, in the fitness world. You know, if you're looking to be a fitness model or just wanting to get in shape or wanting to stick to a diet for health reasons, you know, um, that's what we made it for. We made it like a, cause you, you know, you go and you season a steak up, you don't realize that seasoning you put on has got like 14 grams of sugar in it. Right. And it's made with the products you don't really want to be eating. So you just turn, turn this, this good meal into yourself into shit. So, um, that's, what we started that for. That's been, that's yeah, been it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing, man. I always like, I've, I've taught my kids from a really young age that we can't pronounce 
or we don't know exactly what something is on a label, then it goes back on the shelf. And like, that's the end of the, <laughs> that's the end of the conversation, you know? And it's like, yeah, your, your spice company, man. I, I was walking at for years, dude, I weighed 145, 150. And then when quarantine hit and all my tours got canceled, I was like, all right, dude, I've been saying I was going to do this. Like I'm going to do it. I got up to 183. I'm at like 172 ish now, you know, I balance around 170. Yeah. But, but yeah, man, that, uh, I had heard about your spice company and um, during that time, cause dude, I was doing the most fucking chicken, broccoli, yeah. quinoa, you know, just like eating the same shit every day. And it was nice to be able to be like, okay, well my chicken's going to taste like this today and then it'll be different tomorrow, you know? And so, yeah, that's cool, man. And then do you, am I mistaken or you have a guide service? Is that correct? It's actually Chad Minnes' guide service. It's okay. called feathers. I always help him out. Um, I help him out with, you know, so it's, it's a celebrity guide service. So for instance, Chad gets these because of his name and who he is, he can get these really awesome hunts. And then he sells to people that want to come hunt with Chad Mendez or hunt with me or hunt with, uh, you know, or go fishing with uh, Dan Henderson, Uriah Faber, um, other people, other slaves. He's also got, you know, football players and baseball players that like to hunt, things like that, that he'll line up fans to want to hunt with someone they're a fan of you know so i just went on a uh mule deer hunt in um utah and uh it was amazing mule deer hunt but we had like six other guys there they were wanting to go on the hunt not only for the hunt but also be because they're mma fans you know so that was pretty cool you get to you get to meet on on these hunting trips you know you get to meet some pretty cool walks of life um you know everyone that's kind of into the same same uh hobbies but completely different lifestyle you know so it's pretty cool mm -hmm. for them yeah. to, actually to spend that much one-on-one -on -one time with them I, i'd imagine that they, they really enjoyed getting to hear some of my stories and stuff yeah how uh how'd your hunt go though did you end up with some meat it went good man yeah i got a, i got a big uh four by four mule deer um very fortunate hunting i grew up in california where um any kind of the deer hunting's far and few between it's not, not the greatest hunting you know so i usually go out of state um this year my hunting season went went pretty good i went on an elk hunt with my dad and my brother and this is like when you want to talk about hard hunting this is as hard as it gets you know me and my dad and my brother i was only there for six days and i hiked 97 miles climbed like six thousand feet elevation every day um worked my butt off to get a little spike uh um, elk with my bow you know because it's bow hunting you gotta do a ton of work and so you kill this 500 pound animal back well it's 500 pounds after you skin it and gut it and all yep. stuff pack it out 10 miles and like it's it's a ton of work so that's what i really love to do and then this mule deer hunt was a very uh it was a very fortunate situation a lot easier hunting but um still a challenge you know so yeah man i was just out for four days in the area we were at and so yeah same thing we did something like 27 miles in three days yeah and yeah people don't realize dude what a you know i have a lot of uh, my fan base that are vegan or vegetarian and I've, I've taken it amongst myself to educate people like, Hey, most of the money for conservation in the state comes from people like me buying tags, yes. but B go stand in front of a fucking Burger King and yell at somebody, yeah. dude, you know, like, you know how much work goes into me getting that from out there to my freezer. Yeah. But yeah, dude, we got, we got yeah. skunked. Yeah, ex exactly. You got skunked? Well, dude, the area that I was at, um, you could only take bulls. You couldn't get cows. Gotcha. And on day two, you know, we get up five, we get up there where it's, when it's still dark and I have this perfect spot, do this perfect vantage point. 
I sit for about an hour and then I was like, all right, I'm going to get my hash pen out of my bag. And I turn around and I hear Brap, and turn around two monster cows, dude, 30 yards from me. Yeah. Just sitting there staring at me. And then they walk to an even better vantage point and they're staring at me and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't take them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and that, that was, uh, that was the, that was the whole weekend, dude, or the whole week was just like yeah. coming across these huge cows and yeah. not being able to take them, you know, which for me, I'll take a cow over a bull anyway, but. Yeah. The meat's, the meat's super good. The, the cow meat's really, really good. Oh, that's what I got a, not this year, the year before I got a uh, seven by seven, real big bull. Um, and he was, you know, he's good. He's, he's eating. He's pretty gamey though. You know, he's pretty tough. Um, toward this year, I got a little spike bull and man, the difference in the meat is night, night and day. I think I want to kill a spike every year if I'm going to do it, you know, but yeah, um, man, people don't understand like the lifestyle of like, so they go and buy a burger somewhere that animal that you just ate had the shittiest life you could possibly imagine. You're supporting and you're, you're promoting this shitty lifestyle for all these animals that get tortured to where if more people hunted like us, there, there wouldn't be that torturing of animals. They'd actually be out harvesting animals. You have to live in the wild and live a real life. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's, it's catch 22. It's kind of crazy. People want to talk all this crap, but then don't do their homework and, and know about it. So I post, I post things on my uh, page about hunting and then I just ignore the comments. You know, yeah. Well, well, I think there's actually a lot of people out there that eat meat too, that couldn't stomach field dressing an animal that would be like, no, if this is what I have to do, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah, no way. You know, it's so funny, dude, because, you know, I field dress deer and, 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 you know, whatever. But dude, I had to, I, we got a bunch of ducks the first night I was there. Mm-hmm. On the way down, we went by this pond and we shot some ducks, man. I don't know if you've ever cleaned a duck, dude, but that is a fucking gross process. I haven't. Yeah, it's real yucky. And I was, I was like, I probably won't do this again, dude. It's real gross. Um, but well, dude, uh, it's funny. I want to get into just kind of like your, you know, your morning routine and kind of what a day in the life looks like, but it's funny because Calavita is coming out here, I believe next week with a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Like he's, he's bringing some guys hunting. Yeah. And they're going to come train to their gym for a day. So I'm, yeah. Oh, sick. Cool man, yeah. small world, small world. But yeah, totally. He's bringing he's bringing some other uh, fighters and, and wrestlers and stuff out there with him. Yeah, that's what he said. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we just have a room full of killers for a day and just get some good training in. Oh, he will for sure. He'll so, so yeah, dude, what's your routine like? It's it's crazy. He's just hearing you talk when you were just talking about your your suspension and stuff. It's like those little hidden blessings, right? Because when when COVID hit. It was like an epic powder day and I was skiing and it started with my agent going like, Hey man, you know, Seattle and San Francisco are like lowering the caps to these shows. And I was just like, yeah, man, whatever. I'm skiing. It's all good. And then by the end of the day, it was like, we got to pull the plug. And, you know, at first it was like, well, what the fuck dude? That's like a hundred K on the table. That's just gone now. Um, Luckily I own my music. So you know, I'm pretty financially secure, even if I'm just chilling, but like, you know, it's also what I love to do. It's what I'm made to do. Um, but a few days before that happened, you know, my son is also, he's two and a half and was just starting to talk and we spend every day together when I'm home. And cause my wife's a therapist, so she's gone, you know, all day, three days a week. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, I'm going to be missing this whole chunk of time, dude, where he's learning to talk, he's forming a personality. 
and now I'm going to, now I'm here for all of it. And it's like, had this shit not happened, dude, we would not have the bond that we do. So like, yeah. it's cool here. And you settle into that family thing. What's it like now? Um, training and, and dadding and husbanding and doing all the things. Yeah. I mean, training's ramped up, you know, I'm able to come back in like two and a half months. Uh, I prefer not to fight till like March, kind of get some more of my training uh, lined up and get out and see Dwayne and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I'm doing two or three days depending on the day. Um, I usually take two days off a week, but the rest of the days are two two practices or three practices a day. Um, you know, right now I'm going through a 10 day detox with coach Cal. So, um, that's going to take, I'm probably going to losing like 10 pounds of weight, which I, I'm trying to put weight on. So it's kind of stuck to lose weight, but I need to do this detox before I kind of get in any kind of camp. Um, but yeah, so let's see what's today. Tuesday is usually a pretty hard day, but today kind of wound, wound down because I had some meetings I had to take, but usually on a Tuesday I'd go for sparring at 10 AM, get done at 12, be home for a little while rest and then uh, go back for strength conditioning at like two or three o'clock. And strength conditioning is, a completely different level with Sam Calavita. It's like one of those ones where you get nervous to show up to his house because you know you're going <laughs> to get tortured. You know what I mean? Like, but I've never felt better in my life when it comes to a fight. But that whole lead up to a fight just sucks, man. It's it's a, it's a ton of work. So sparring to that, and then I do jujitsu at night. So Tuesdays are my really hard days, and I take Wednesday off, and then it starts building back up. Thursday, I'll probably be like a two a day. Um, Friday will be, you know, pretty hard. And then Saturday, I crush it again with strength conditioning. So I take Sunday off, you know, trying to learn how to taper my body the right way so that I can get the gains rather than overtraining and never coming out of that hole, you know? Yeah, man. So how do you balance? Because for me, a big struggle I had was when I was putting on weight, you know, the only cardio I was doing was jujitsu and sparring. That was it. Well, you can't um, do cardio if you're going to put on weight. Right. So that's like the catch 22, dude. My cardio just started fucking. Oh, well, actually, so it depends. So this is a little secret of the trade. I'm sure coach by, um, you, so you got to learn to, so right now I'm, I'm trying, I've been trying to put on weight and I've by far the biggest I've ever yeah, been. Yeah. You look fucking I, thick, man. Yeah. I mean, I got up to 168 pounds, you know, and like, for me being over 150 was good, you know? So I've put on some serious weight. Uh, my legs have gotten huge, but right now I'm doing like a tonnage phase. I'm lifting by the ton. Um, but coach Cal's got it to where I'm never, never losing my engine either. So I'm not doing any kind of long cardio. I don't go out and decide to run for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, nothing like that. I'm doing like lactic threshold cardio. So during my workout, my rest times are usually like, you know, maybe they'll start out at a minute. And when you're lifting super heavy and you only have a minute down, you have to go to your next rep. So I have two minutes down between workouts, but I have one minute down between sets. So you continue to push that lactic threshold. But then at the end of my workouts, I'm either doing a bike sprint or a bike power intervals, you know, and I'm doing like short, short bursts. So I'm doing like, so I can continue my cardio output anaerobically, but aerobically, I can't really build it yet. But I'm not losing my engine, but now when I get into fight camp, I can keep my size. And then once I start running, I'll end up getting smaller, but I'm still going to keep a lot of that muscle mass that I built, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Gaining gain, gain weight is 10 times harder than losing weight. Yeah. So it's, it turns into a full-time job having to eat, to eat as much you have to eat. It's, you know, that's the biggest pain in the ass. Oh, you don't look forward to eating anymore. It's like, Oh, I got to eat again, man. You know, yeah. like, especially eating the shit that 
you know, to get clean calories. It's like, oh, <laughs> cool, salmon, quinoa, broccoli, dope. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's crazy how much of it you have to eat to get the calories, right? Like, yeah, you can go get a Big Mac and get 1,200 calories, but it's like to eat 1,200 calories of good, clean food. Oh, dude, it's so much, you know? Yeah, I made this life hack. Dude, I have this shake that I make every morning that's 1,000 calories, and it's like hemp seeds, a bunch of nuts. It's all really clean. But it's like, that was the only way for me to like lead somewhat of a normal diet yeah. life was to get that thousand knocked off and be like, okay, I can kind of eat like a normal human for the rest of the day, you know? <laughs> I feel you. Man. Yeah. It's, uh, that's like my biggest, that's my biggest fear about this neck surgery is it'll be, luckily they're not going through the front, they'll go through the back. So it's four weeks, nothing, zero activity, then four weeks of rehab. And he said, I'd be a hundred percent at 12 weeks. But what are they doing? so they haven't decided if they're going to do one or two levels. Uh, I have a call with the surgeon tomorrow. Um, but I have a super bad bulging disc, dude. I mean, when it was at its worst, I was getting like one to two hours of sleep a night. Yeah. Um, but it is poked out and it's close, you know, it's sitting on one of the nerves. So it's just like this big bulging disc. And I waited and I've done. I've had six cortisone shots. I've had, you know, I've done the fucking gamut, man. And it's done. I just kind of learned to live with it. But then when they did the MRI, he's like, do you have any pain on your left side? Like, you got to just be hurting. And I was like, no. And he said, well, the one right above the C5, C6 is just as bad, but it's going out the left side. So they might do both. So they'll make like a little two inch incision. They go in there with a the little scope, they trim the disc off. And then I have a bunch of uh, growths on the back of my facet that they'll dermal down. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So they're not fusing any of your, nope. not, uh, you're good, man. You'll be, you'll be able to recover from that. Yeah. And that, that's the scary thing, man, is it's like, it's so weird. Cause I have so many friends that, um, our fighters or professional grapplers that have had the disc replacement yeah. still train. And when I talked to my surgeon about it, he was like, what? Like, fuck, no, you're not. No. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, I'm putting metal in your body. Like, you can't do that, dude. If something knocks loose, that's your spine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so many guys, like Chris Weidman, dude, that guy has a disc replacement in his neck and he fights with it. You know, yeah. it's crazy. It's scary, man. We start dealing with your, with your spine. Um, I mean, you're, I mean, you're talking about doing something you love. I understand it, but like you go and finish off your neck, you're going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. Um, scary thing. So, yeah. So what did you have done to your shoulders? I had uh, two full blown shoulders. Um, they were, you know, they were subluxing, dislocating once or twice a month, just depending on what I was doing. Um, throughout all my, my last, since I was fighting, before even Cody, before even the first fight with Cody, my shoulders would just dislocate all the time. So I had a torn labrum, full tear, mm. spinatus rotator cuff on both shoulders, and frayed bicep tendons. So they had to go in there and they had to do like full blown. I didn't, I couldn't done it. I couldn't have done it at the same time because I had to be in a sling for six weeks. It came with my arm. So I mean, I'd be double sling. I wouldn't be able to wipe my own ass or feed myself. My wife would have divorced me for sure. <laughs> I had to do one at a time, about six weeks apart. Um, yeah, just, I mean, full shoulder, reconstruction pretty much. Yeah. Full reconstruction surgery. I mean, shoulder surgery is the worst too, because 
you're not allowed to move your shoulder, right? You get a knee surgery, they're wanting you to move it the next day. You get a shoulder surgery, you have to be in a sling for six weeks, you know? So I was in, I was slinged up for 12 weeks back to back, you know? It was pretty rough, but, um, you know, now I'm, I'm feeling good. I actually can get into these grappling situations and wrestling situations and not be afraid of my shoulder popping out of socket, which is pretty cool. How did you deal with the meant you know i'm one of those dudes and i'm sure you're a professional athlete so i'm sure you're the same way dude if i don't because i wake up at 5 30 go straight to the gym and you know i get all my lifting done before anyone in my house is awake mm -hmm. and then usually at nap time i'll go do bag work and like i feel like the only thing that keeps me sane is having my training you know so how do yeah. you deal how did you mentally deal with the like well you can't do shit so you just have to sit here you know oh that's why the last you know when i first got surgery the years were just, it was just shit you know like um i went through some probably serious depression that i didn't even know i was going through until now you know like just fucking you know a little miserable I and mean, luckily i had the escape of my son you know that was like that really saved a lot of it but I mean, it sucked man i mean like i'm used to like burning so many calories and having that outlet to where I didn't have any, you know, I mean, I had some business outlet, but it's just not the same, you know, you gotta like, it's like the only way for me to let out my aggression is to go work out. You know, same. So it was tough. I mean, I don't, I probably didn't deal with it the right way. I probably drank a little bit too much and tried hiding my feelings a little bit too much, you know, and uh, hid behind like this tough wall that shit can't phase me, you know, but for sure going through some bullshit, man, it was just so easy just for me to get, plastered you know just fucking escape reality well dude i gotta say so many people ha have gone through suspensions and you see dudes all of the time um you know they fight the shit out of it and they uh, the way you handled that dude would just you're just a fucking class act bro and not not just how you handle this the suspension but how you handle the shit talking with cody having having both your fucking shoulders done right in the heat of that, you know, when the internet's just popping off and saying whatever the fuck they're going to say, yeah. um, you know, it's just, it's so cool to see you doing well, man. And seeing you, uh, motivated, which, which brings me to my next point, dude, I'm not trying to dick ride. Um, but I look at the bantamweight division right now and, and like you, man, I've been watching this shit since I was six years old. I think you're a real fucking hard day at the park for anybody in the division. I don't see anybody in the top five that I, it just, it seems like, how are you feeling about coming back? I guess is what I'm saying. Cause how I feel about you coming back is it's about to be a, it's about to be a fucking nightmare for everyone that's been hanging out in that division. I think, I mean, I got to think the same way. I mean, I'm fucking, I know it. I know I'm getting my belt back. Um, I want, I want fucking Peter Yon right away. I think he's super basic. I don't think he's yep. that great. Um, you know, I think he's gonna have a tough time with even Algerman Sterling and even fighting Algerman Sterling. Yeah, he's a good wrestler grappler, but his stand up is very, very mediocre. You know, he doesn't set up any of his takedowns, he only can only throw kicks. So, I mean, there's just so many guys that I can go through that, um, I see myself winning it. So, yeah, I definitely, I mean, you gotta, you gotta go in there realistic and, and still be scared, right? Going into a fight, and I feel like that's what um holds me to my best holds me into the gym holds me staying getting better at everything but uh yeah man i, I agree with you i think to that that bad and weight division is about to get turned upside down and i already told uh, my manager and dan and all those guys get ready for me to get my fucking belt back right away like i don't want tune-up fights i want to i want to get right back in there and get my belt i mean preferably i'd like to fight marsh for whoever's got the belt 
you know yeah. um we'll see if that happens but you know peter yawn and Aljamain are fighting december 12th that gives them perfect enough time to to you know have their rest get ready for their next fight um march april will be a great time for me to get my belt back so yeah man i I don't have any tune-up fights because I never lost that fucking shit. I understand I made a mistake trying to drop the weight, but you know what I mean? Like that's, that's my belt. You guys can, you can all be the paper champ as much as you want. Yeah. I wish more people were like Gagey in that regard where they, when they get an interim belt, they're like, yeah, cool. But I still got to fucking beat the man, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, Gagey handled his whole situation very well. Um, unfortunately he didn't go out there and perform the way he should have. He got real scared. He looked scared as shit, right? The way he was like yeah. holding his hands up. Yeah, man. Like you watched, so you watched his fight when he fought Ferguson. How just composed and like his combos looked crisp. He didn't get tired, you know, because that was like a oh the new and improved Gaethje, um, Trevor Whitman. He's a great coach, ninja, uh, and from Dwayne. But uh, he, you know, got him under control and really focused in on honed in on some things. But then he was so scared of the takedowns from Khabib that it he was so worried about the other guy. You can't ever go into a fight. No matter who you are, you can't ever go into a fight thinking about what that guy is good at. Yeah, you should be prepared for it throughout your fight camp. But when I walk into that cage, I can't be thinking like, oh, stay away from the takedown, stay away from the takedown, stay away from the takedown. Because not only you're not going to do what you're good at, then you're also going to be like so flustered. And like you saw him running away and like getting out of the way and throwing punches and falling over. He was tired in a minute and a half. A minute and a half into the fight, I was like, oh, this is over. Like mm-hmm. he's gassed out already, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Habib is an amazing athlete. I do think him for not even, like, he's lost, what, two rounds in all of his career. Like, you can't not call him the best. Um, but Gaethje, unfortunately, didn't do his best either. Because Gaethje, I think, was his best chance at you know, I agree. beating Habib if he would have fought the way he could have. You know, because Gaethje is a good wrestler, man. He wrestled in college. But, you know, he just kind of got himself out of his own element. Yeah, I think it's got to be a weird thing, too, when you're – I, I just couldn't imagine doing something with someone that had never lost at it. You yeah. Know, that's got to be a weird mind fuck of just like, man, this guy doesn't even think about the possibility of losing. It's never even happened. Oh, he doesn't. I fought, I fought Henry Burrell. He'd never been beat, you know, 10, 10 years unbeaten, you know, best pound for pound fighter in the world. But for me, that was like the easiest fight because no one expected me to win. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But there wasn't this pressure. Like the reason why I get scared before I fight is because of the, what everyone expects me to do everyone expects me to be the best or i expect myself to be the best my wife expects me the best my parents like that pressure of other people and how i see myself is what i get scared for right we're going into the hen and brow fight dude i didn't have to worry about shit i just had to worry about going out there and fucking just going you know what i mean doing your best through caution the wind and just like you got to kind of think about that way i mean it's almost easier to fight a guy that's unbeatable you know, because you just get to fucking go. I mean, if no one expects you to win and you lose, like, oh, no one expected you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. That pressure that's relieved from yourself. I don't know. That's, that's the way I thought about it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for you to get back. I, I yeah, I was I, I was training yesterday, and me and my coach were having the same conversation. Was I was like, man, I got TJ tomorrow, and I was like how do I tell him he's going to whoop the shit out of everyone without it sounding weird? And he's like, I don't think that, he's like, I don't think that sounds weird. And we, and we were talking, we were saying the same thing. It's like, Peter Jan's a great fighter, man. He's got, he's got great wrestling, but there is uh, the level of footwork and movement and uh, yeah, everything you do. I feel like you see guys, they get like, Oh shit. Like 
you know, you sneak out the back door and kick people in their face. They're like, well, what the fuck, you know? Anytime um, I teach a seminar or do like technique and stuff, I feel like the true success to being the best MMA fighter is keeping your opponent always guessing on what you're doing, you know? So if you're a fighter that's only good at striking and you can go out there and only strike, yeah, you might be able to keep your opponent guessing on what strike you're going to throw, but there's so many facets of MMA that I got to keep you guessing. If I might take you down right now, well, that takedown might be a fake takedown to a head kick, right? Like all these other things, like MMA is one sport now. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go against a boxer. Oh, I'm going to go against a wrestler, right? Yep. A select few guys, but if you can be the guy that can trick your opponent into believing one thing, giving him like a smoke show over here and hitting him over there, like that's when you can be the best, you know, always keeping your opponent guessing. Yeah. And that was the thing with, with Cody, dude, was when you fought him, he, well, both times, yeah. He got hit with shit that he did not see coming. You know, you can see he was in a completely, he was over here and then got hit from over here and turns the lights out, man. For sure. Well, I got some, I got some standard questions and then I'll cut you loose, man. I, again, man, I really appreciate you taking time because I know you're busy. I know you got a fam and everything. Um, it's that time, so it's good. <laughs> good, yeah, me too. Uh, what's, what's the greatest lesson that you've learned in your career and, and where did it come from? Um, probably something we've already talked about, you know, is um, such the, the generic thing that someone's going to tell you is like, have fun, you know, have fun with whatever you're doing. It doesn't have to be with sport. It could be within your way of life. Like whatever it is that makes you want to go have fun with it, you know, because um, I used to get so nervous that I didn't enjoy competing. I just did it because I was fucking good at it. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I, I was so nervous and so like tunnel vision that I kind of fucking hated it, you know? Um, but until I finally learned to that, and it's so crazy that all of a sudden it just like switches when it switches, but you kind of put it in whatever perspective you got to put it in. But like, for me, it was showing off. For me, it was like, I can really imagine putting on a concert, you know, like all mm -hmm. oh, I you at that single moment. It's like, fuck yeah. You it's know? the best like, feeling in the world. Yeah, exactly. And learning to absorb that was the, the best thing for my career, the best thing for me in sport, the best thing for me to, I think, uh, get through even these shitty situations, you know? Yeah, that's great. What what was the greatest moment of your career thus far? Uh, beating Hinnebrow, you know, being an eight to one underdog, going out there and having that moment to where I remember, I mean, I didn't sleep that night, you know, I remember beating Burrell and then hearing the newspaper land on my front door at the hotel room and having to, and going out there and picking up, it's me on the front cover of the newspaper and just, uh, you know, that was kind of, you know, chasing those dreams of always being the best. I mean, I wrestled in college and wanted to be a, a division one NCAA champion and all American, not, not, not achieving those things to finally achieve it. You know, even in high school, I won, I took second at state, like always like, always coming up just a little bit short, you know, and I would make it to NCAAs three years in a row. And then I went, Oh, and six, you know, just like so much better than what I always proved and sort of finally, you know, reach that to reach that uh, pinnacle was something I'll never forget. And it's always like, that's probably the fight that I'll always remember. Um, you know, obviously beating Cody the first time and yelling in his face was quite nice. You know, that, I mean, that <laughs> told you, <laughs> yeah. Just that picture of me like screaming, pretty much like almost kissing him, but just like yep. screaming in his face. Just, all, I remember what I was saying, I was like, what? He's like, that'll be a moment that I'll always remember as well too. Cause like, especially cause his eyes like weren't like quite there yet, you know? And so uh, that picture is just so epic. 
Man, that's what I love. You know, my wife uh, doesn't follow the sport. She's she's come to peace with me training, and especially after the neck injury. You know, as soon as I was able to come back, and I got my purple belt, and now I'm starting to teach, and I just like she's just accepted that the martial arts is a part of my life. But the thing that I love about it is that it is so absolute, and like moments like that, there is no bullshit. All the shit talking. We're not playing ball. There's no teammate. There's nobody to point to, dude. Yeah. You came in here. I beat the shit out of you. That's the end of the conversation. There's yeah. no, you know what I mean. There is no more opinions. There's no other take on it. It's as primal as it gets, man. Yeah, dude. the fact that you finished him too, man. I just, yeah, that was that was one of those moments watching that was just like, just magic to just know that like, especially watching the fucking Ultimate Fighter and everything leading up to it. Yeah, just pure vindication and the fact that you never talk shit back that whole time like there's there's one part where like um on one of the later episodes where him and buckholes were like really popping off and and cody goes what are you gonna do you're like i'm gonna knock you the fuck out (laughs) 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 and scene and you did um what's some of your favorite things to do when you're not training or fighting hmm I'm an adrenaline junkie, that's for sure. Um, favorite thing to probably do, though, is be out on my boat. I got a Malibu wake setter, which, unfortunately, I don't have down here right now. It's actually in Texas. I sent it out to my fr- – because there's not any, like, great lakes in Southern California. Like, if I wanted to take it somewhere, it would be, like, a four-hour drive to, to go take it somewhere. So I sent it out to my, my business partner in my buddy's house out in Texas, out in Austin, expecting that it would be out there quite a bit over the summer for business. And I didn't go out there one time all, all summer because oh, – you know what I mean? But uh, being on my boat, I love wake surfing. Um, got a new YXZ uh, side by side that I got to take out and go jump around a little bit. Um, I'm a big time hunt- hunter. Um, love to enjoy fishing whenever I get a chance to do it. Um, but shoot, man, I mean, life is so consumed now by my three year old. It's like, you know, I mean, any kind of free time you get, it's like, well, what can we do to make his day fun? You know what I mean? Totally. Like, Unfortunately, like Disneyland and shit like that's closed down, but just like stuff like, you know, some, some sort of, even if it's at home, like something to figure out to do that's going to make his day enjoyable. It's like, it's crazy how much joy that actually brings yourself, you know? Oh, I know, man. Yeah, we've been building a lot of forts. That's yeah, been that, yeah. yeah, that's been the thing recently. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I remember love doing that as a kid myself, too. Totally. Know? Totally. Yeah, man. We get the Christmas lights in there and stuff. Yeah, and it's just... Uh, it's weird, man. People without kids, it's hard to explain to them. Like when you see this little thing that looks like you light up with joy, it's just like, yeah, dude, I'll take that over anything. For sure, dude. It's impossible to explain until you're there. People will tell you that all the time and you don't fucking understand. You don't yeah. It. People used to say it and I was always like, yeah, I don't know, man. I got a pretty rad life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It seems pretty cool. But yeah, this is good life as well. And it's like, it completely changes. Dude. Yeah, man. I love that. Are you going to, do you want to have any more? Yeah, we're trying. We're trying to have another. That's awesome, man. So, uh, your walkout song. Why is that your walkout song? Because it has been for a while, huh? Yeah, it's been that song since my Mike Easton fight, I think. Um, before my fight before Burrell, maybe even one before that too. I've just always been a big Chili Peppers fan, um, and that song just has some points in it. I mean, I even have it tattooed on my arm. Um, just within that song there's some parts of it that really that kind of hit home for me and like what i do as a profession you know i mean might as well just start off i get addicted to the shindig you know what i mean like i love getting out there and doing what i do 
Um, and then it's, it's really like this, like the most upbeat and the way it starts off is just, it really gets me going, you know? Yeah. And have you met Anthony Kiedis? I know he's a huge fight fan. I have, man. I have. I got to sit with him at a couple of fights now. And um, we went to uh, when the Ultimate Fighter was having some like, uh, it was not, not my Ultimate Fighter, but they had a, a season with all the girls on it. And he was there at one of their parties. And so, so I got to hang out with him a couple of times. He's a super down to earth guy, man. He's uh, real cool. But always, I mean, I've read his book. I mean, what, what, what always amazes me too is like the life that he lived and the way he looks now. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> looks like he's at least a decade younger than he is. And he's probably lived the hardest life out of anyone I've ever read or thought of, you know? Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's wild, man. There's those guys at Iggy Pop. He's another one of those guys yeah. that, you know, is like 130 and just looks like he's, <laughs> you know, a really in-shape 40-year-old. I know, dude. It's crazy. What have you been, uh, music-wise, what have you been listening to most recently? Um, shoot, man. I'm still like, I'm always into like my old music. Right? I don't get into any of the newer stuff. I don't know why. I just haven't really done it. Uh, but I, and I'm also all walks of life too, man. I mean, I like, like I said, like big Chili Peppers, Sublime, Tom Petty, big fan that way. Uh, but I'll also listen to some hip hop. I'll listen to a lot of, I like to listen to house music when I work out just because of how beat it is. And I don't have to like pay attention to all the words and shit. It's like more just the fact of just give me a beat. So I listen to a lot of house music uh, when I'm doing my workouts and stuff. But, um, I still, I guess I'm so stuck in my generation of growing up of what I listened to, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny, man. Wombles will get you on some country, dude. Yeah. That guy listens to a lot of really good, good. It was crazy, man. I took him out on the river here and I don't know. It's cool when I meet people that are that into music, man. Like we had our like standard river playlist going with some like deep, deep old country, man. And he knew the words to all of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's playing all the time in the gym. Yeah. I bet he does. Yeah, man, it's a wild thing. We're just like, it's weird because of this COVID thing. You know, I've been at home for shit since February. Yeah. You know, or really last November. And then we played a few shows in February. And like, you know, prior to music, dude, I was a dirtbag. I just rock climbed and fly fished and did all the shit. And then music popped off. And, um, but having all this time at home, man, our next record is like, first time working with a label but it's like you know lots of pedal steel and like really country vibes nice. and a lot of our fans are kind of hippies so i'm curious to see see yeah. see what happens when we let her rip yeah but you I mean hopefully you i mean you keep a lot of them same fans and then build a lot new a lot, a lot of new fans as well too you know kind of broaden your horizon of your fan base yeah that's what that's what we're hoping too and it's cool too man i just i don't know many musicians that are into the shit that i'm into you know most musicians just play music you know and like you know it, it's just cool man i'm glad that we got to connect because um you know it, that's been a big part of touring for me the past four years is wherever i'm somewhere i'm like okay cool where's the gym at like is i always am on social media like where should i come train you know i got two days um nice. and it's wild as i'm sure you know man it's just crazy how small the mma community really is man it's like everybody knows everybody some which way so it's just yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. Um, just get well, the like a crazy sport, man. Like, so you think about like all the all these other professional athletes and stuff, and how much they're like into their one team, right? But us as a fighter, all six hundred fighters, depending on what card you are, you're gonna travel with these people. You're gonna see them around at these events. Like, you see, like has us around each other. All even if you're fighting someone, like 
you're going to be around that motherfucker. You're doing media days with him. You're like, so you learn, you learn like who everyone is throughout the UFC. So you actually build these connections. And uh, even if you're not living close to someone or friends with them, you still know who that person is. So yeah, I mean, the connections within the MMA world are very tight, you know, and you, uh, um, everyone's attached at some point, you know? Yeah, it's it's cool too getting to go to gyms as a guest rather than like the dude that's just showing up. You know, it's cool to go in and have the instructor or whoever yeah. the teacher is there be like, "Hey, this is my buddy. Don't fucking murder him. He has to play tomorrow." <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, all that's right, awesome. man. Last question for you. What do yeah. you want to be remembered for? Um, shit, man. I guess that's one thing I try not to focus on. You know what I mean? Like putting too much pressure on how you want to be remembered is kind of nerve-wracking you know what i mean like having to focus on that shit and actually i especially go after going through this suspension of not trying not to care what other people think you know what i mean like i'm always going to hold myself of how what i think is respectful i'm always going to hold myself to the values that my parents have given me but i'm still not going to do them because you or anyone else thinks they're the right thing to do you know what I mean? So that's something in my career that I try not to focus on. It's something that like people are going to think whatever they want, you know, and, and the bigger and big, bigger name you get, the more people are going to talk a lot more shit about you as well too. You know, it doesn't matter. Like you could be a saint, but you're just like this big name. There's going to be haters. There's going to be this shit talked about you. So if you try to focus on that too much, you're going to go down a rabbit hole and start reading bullshit comments from people or blogs or articles or what this guy, fighter said about you. So I think it's, I think it's best to kind of keep your circle tight and uh, really focus on what those people think of you. You know, all I care about is what my wife, my son, my parents, my coaches, and my 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 direct teammates and what they actually think of me and what I'm remembered at remembered as. You know, I want to be remembered as the best dad ever for my son, uh, the best husband ever. You know, like the best son ever. Things like that, rather than T.J. Dillashaw, the Ultimate Fighter. You know, man. You're a solid fucking guy, man. You're a solid guy, dude. That's the best. That's the best answer that I've that I've gotten from that. Usually, everyone gives a very decisive, the best to ever do it. You know. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, I appreciate you taking time, man, and, and God bless you and your family. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see you get back in there and do your thing, brother. Maybe I'll have to make a trip out there with Wombles, and we'll we'll get to fucking hang out. I dare you, bro. I'll take you guys fishing. We'll do some fun shit. So I've been telling. Uh, and tell my wife and my well, my my parents and stuff they're like man we should buy some property in montana get the hell out of california so you never i'm telling know. you man southwest montana yeah maybe uh, maybe once the snow melts come out and take her for a ride man bring your camper out here i'll show you around that sounds good dude all right take care of yourself bro all right you have a good one all right y'all that was tj dillashaw um yeah what a dude just such a stud um Next episode of the podcast, we have Aubrey Marcus. Uh, if you listen to podcasts, you know who Aubrey Marcus is because he has his own podcast that's wildly successful. Um, he's the founder of On It, fitness buff. To be honest, I don't know a shitload about Aubrey, so I'm like super excited to have him on the podcast selfishly because I want to know more about him. Um, real interesting dude. Real interesting dude into uh, the plant medicines and that whole vibe. Big proponent of, uh, you know, psychedelics and self-discovery and throwing knives and, you know. Yeah, he's into a whole gang of cool shit, so I'm excited to have him on. Um, 
like I said before, like, share, subscribe, but uh, please leave a review. Um, I'm trying to keep this podcast independent. We've had a few smaller sponsors reach out and, you know, I'm not completely opposed to it, but I'd like to keep it independent and just make it as big as you can all on our own, you know, unless it's a company that I super, super believed in. But um, we have some cool guests coming up. Like I said, Aubrey Marcus and then... um, two women that that run and operate Unlikely Heroes, which is an organization I've worked with for uh, like four or five years now um, that rescue young women from the sex trade all over the planet. Um, So I'm really excited to dig in with those two gals. Um, So much love and respect for what they do. But yeah, Aubrey Marcus will be next week. So thank you all for listening and uh, keep listening to the music, keep sharing the music. And as always... Go get some, Uh, make sure you drink water, be kind to one another, and uh, do your best. Love y'all. Peace.